I V M. The Supreme Court is in the news pretty much every single day, and if you pick up the state page of any newspaper, you're sure to find a mention of the state high court every other day. But whatever you hear about is the tip of the iceberg. Millions of cases enter India's lower judiciary every year, and it is these city and district courts that are dispensing justice to Indians most in need of it. How well does the subordinate judiciary work? What kind of cases do they spend time on, and how can these local courts be reformed to provide better and faster judgments for those most desperately in need? Surya Prakash joins me on this episode to help us understand about all this and more. Welcome to the Pragati Podcast, a weekly talk show on public policy, economics, and international relations. I'm your host, Pavan Srinath. Surya Prakash B.S. is a fellow and program director at Daksh, a Bengaluru-based think tank focused on judicial reforms in India and to enable speedy delivery of justice for all. Surya is also my good friend and hosts the Tele Harte Kannada podcast along with me and Ganesh Chakravarti. We'll start our conversation with Surya after a short break. Hey everybody, you know what we've got? We've got another awesome week on the IVM Podcast Network. If you're not following us on social media, please make sure you do. We're IVM Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So if you haven't been following us on YouTube, please do. Do a search for IVM CCTV and get a peek inside what's going on in the studio. You can see excerpts from Cyrus Says, Naveen from Keeping It Queer, Akash from Vartha Lab. There's stuff that we've done with Feeding 10 Billion. There are a whole bunch of little videos over there. Give it a watch and uh, let us know what you think about that. On the scene and the unseen, Amit Verma is joined by journalists Barun Mitra and Kumar Anand to discuss the crisis in agriculture. On Agla Station Adulthood, hosts Ayushi and Ritasha discuss various interpretations of beauty and also share some amazing skincare routines. On Feeding 10 Billion, Ramya and Varun talk to Dr. Sandhya Sriram of Shiok Meats about bringing cell-based shrimp to our restaurants. On 9XM Soundcast, Eva is joined by the incredible music composer duo Vishal and Shekhar. They talk about the process of creating a soundtrack and give their views about the remix trend in Bollywood. On the Edges and Sledges Cricket Podcast, Ashwin and DJ conclude the ashes and talk about the failure of Indian middle order in the T20s. On the Kinetic Living Podcast, Coach Urmi shares a workout called Arc Planks on Tabata Tuesdays. On Thriving Thursdays, she shares a journey towards building kinetic living and the challenges that she faced. On Vartha Lab, Akash and Naveen are joined by Shaswat Bulusu, a singer-songwriter from Baroda who is pushing the sonic aesthetic of guitar-centric laid-back pop. On Geek Fruit, Dinkar and Jishnu talk about pop culture that revolves around the apocalypse and tell us how they would ideally prepare for it. On Football Shootball, host Gaurav Karthik and Siva bring to you the post-match reactions of their favorite fixture of the year, Manchester United versus Arsenal. That's no surprise to anybody. And with that, let's get you on with your show. Hi, Surya. Welcome to the Pragati Podcast. Surya, we get together here in the studio all the time to record episodes of Tele Harte. But it's uh, great to have this conversation in English with you today. Hi, Pavan. Uh, I almost started off in Kannada as is our habit. So it's like muscle memory when you're in the studio. <laughs> in the studio. <laughs> so Surya, today um, we wanted to talk about India's so-called lower judiciary or even subordinate judiciary. And these are basically district and city level courts, right? The the first place where most Indians go to to seek, you know, legal recourse or seek justice. First of all, the name itself is problematic, Strange, right? Yeah. I mean, when we talk about government, we talk about union, state, and local. But here it's subordinate, mm-hmm. lower. Correct. 
the problem seems to start with the name itself absolutely i think uh, scholar upendra bakshi first made this point about how um, the subordinate courts subordinate judiciary is a misnomer really it should not be called so because each judge is an independent decision maker right. uh, uh, giving uh, justice in his own uh, domain so the appropriate term would probably be district judiciary right um or trial courts some of them are also called trial courts as you said that is really the first point of contact for the citizens hmm. if you are arrested for breaking the traffic rules you go to the you know the local magistrate court there are special courts for dealing with traffic crimes if you get arrested for a facebook post for example right you land up at the magistrate court that is where your bails are disposed of etc um similarly if you have a land dispute right mm. encroachment right you land up at the local courts if you go to a tax dispute if you have not paid filed your returns and the authorities proceed against you and you still have a problem you go to the income tax tribunal similarly okay. with gst right so the word subordinate judiciary traditionally refers to the courts that are below the high courts okay in our mind we see the subordinate judiciary as one monolithic institution actually there is a hierarchy within the subordinate judiciary okay. at a district level so there is a munsif who is the first port of call at the rural places most of the rural places okay. here i would like to draw a distinction between the rural court structure and the urban court structure okay so along with sort of uh, urbanization 74th amendment all of that there was also a parallel separation between how our courts have functioned so that's a very that's a very interesting topic our urban judicial infrastructure is a vestige of like much of the judiciary is a colonial vestige okay right so the most of the courts that were set up by the british were in the presidencies right so your bombay madras calcutta shimla because it was once a capital hmm. right there was these presidency courts and they had their own uh, structure which evolved into what is now known as metropolitan magistrate courts okay right so that model has now been expanded other capital cities and important you know urban centers right. so there is a distinction between metropolitan magistrate courts metropolitan courts and the normal district judiciary what is known as the district and sessions judges okay so that's the distinction there but within the, those even within the metropolitan courts and the district and sessions under the under them there is a munsif there is a senior division court arched hierarchy okay now this hierarchy does not mean that every case goes through the entire hierarchy right there is a pecuniary jurisdiction that means to say if his disputes below 10000 hmm. you go to a senior civil division i'm just as okay. an example it, okay. it may be different in different so this is especially for civil uh, civil cases hmm. criminal to heinous crimes like hmm. no attempt to uh, murder murder hmm. rape these go directly to the highest criminal court of that jurisdiction which is either the district and sessions judge or the metropolitan magistrate court okay so uh, there is a hierarchy in criminal matters too right so it is not a pyramid as such hmm. uh, it is depending on the dispute and that is especially a problem when you want to map it and say um something that we at dakshars you know it's trying to do is how long does a case get for it to be really you know disposed of from the system right for that you need to understand where does the case start from hmm. does it go f- if you have hierarchy a1 b1 c1 d1 does it really go have to have to go through all the levels is a question that uh, 
it's different for each jurisdiction right. mostly it is a state wide uh, change hmm. apart from the district judiciary there are the tribunals right a tribunals so just to clarify on um, the district uh, judiciary so you're saying while there are these hierarchies typically cases go only to one level of that hierarchy there may be one more within the, before okay. they reach the high court right so will that uh, higher level be on appeal or as a Correct. part of the natural process itself it will be an appeal okay some of the crimes need to automatically go to the next court because it's a punishment it's a liberty issue and it needs to be confirmed right so um, some of them will have to be naturally gone through the process of appeal for example hmm. death penalty clearly irrespective of what happens the high court has to have a look at it right but even apart from that some cases go directly to the high court not from the highest court within the subordinate judiciary but a level below that also it can go to the uh, okay. high court and of course when we talk about uh, any constitutional matters it has to go to the supreme court it first starts with the high court okay right so, so constitutional matters don't even go to the subordinate absolutely judiciary absolutely right okay so uh, the pil right all the pils that we see for garbage for lakes right. all of those river pollution those the first start many of them start at the national green tribunal those are not pils right, right? those are cases against authorities for not proceeding or not acting within the things some of them will end up being pils because it has not been handled properly right. or as an appeal right Um, so okay so now coming to tribunals or tribunals so while we have this these notional three levels from sort of the union to the local you this is like a parallel infrastructure correct. that is specialized right correct so people increasingly felt that uh, some of the subject matters required ex- domain knowledge right. for it to be solved um mm. it could be securities laws which is mm. why you have a securities appellate tribunal it could be okay. foreign exchange it could be company law which is why you know you have the national company law appellate tribunal um it could be tax it could be environmental law right uh, these have been set up by the executive which mm. is the government and says you know what these type of cases we will uh, handle separately it did not go into the district judiciary uh we will have people from subject matters from uh, uh from the executive hmm. it will also have it needs to have after the madras bar association case hmm. it needs to have a representative of the judiciary okay in equal number in the recent case of the gst appellate tribunal that matter was you know recently uh, given by the madras high court where the executive numbers were more than the judicial numbers okay. so there there were two uh, executive members on the bench versus one from the judiciary they hmm. said no it can't be if it has to be a tribunal which is going to hear cases that would otherwise have gone to the subordinate judiciary it needs to be equal right right a very important feature so now so appeal- help me um, understand that a little better so when we are talking about these tribunals say there's a tax tribunal so therefore if there is a income tax dispute between a company or an individual and the government government saying you need to pay 30 lakhs income tax i say no 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 i only need to pay 15 lakhs income right. tax you go to this tribunal correct right? so who will be sitting there so there'll be some judge some judicial appointee and there'll also be someone somebody from the central board for direct taxes or something like that so there are in the income tax appellate tribunal they are known as an accountant member and a judicial member hmm. right judicial member are persons from a legal background okay accountant members are either cas in practice or departmental officers hmm. 
who uh, together form this bench it is known as a bench okay right so they will be hearing your cases right so how is conflict of interest managed in that case what if you are you are fighting with the executive Correct. right you are fighting with the central board of direct taxes saying that Absolutely. i disagree with your uh, tax assessment right right so that varies from tribunal to tribunal okay now in the case of income tax appellate tribunal which is the mm-hmm. first tribunal set up in the country mm-hmm. and uh, some just a few years back completed 75 years of its existence there there is a career for these bench members that means to okay. say throughout once you join the appellate tribunal as a member you can retire from that like a judge like a judge okay right. so so that confers some notional independence correct. to this that is huh? not the case with many uh, state tribunals okay. for example there are land tribunals there were sales tax tribunals right so departmental members sales tax department officers used to sit on the bench hmm. and then after some years go back to the department okay right judiciary members also used to sit here and then go back to the judiciary hmm. there definitely needs to be a case for a career judges for hmm. the tribunals the larger question which some people say is you know what tribunals should not even exist it should all be handled by the judiciary if you really are looking for independence but that's all we should tackle that in a separate podcast fair enough <laughs> uh, we also had an earlier episode on the pragati podcast where we talked about i think environmental law on the ngt with ninad lord and even he was saying uh, in the ngt it is the idea of there's a judge and there's somebody who's technically qualified to right. deal with the uh, issues around environment industries right. development and other things right, right? and uh, they he was saying how there was a preference for say retired ias officers Absolutely. and people who have had some government experience Correct. and perhaps a minority of people who are coming from outside of the government but have some experience yes is that broadly the case elsewhere too in other tribunals there is a preference for uh, government or ex government officials where the tribunal rules allow for retired um, executives to be nominated mm. or appointed to the board that is definitely the case okay. but not all tribunals operate that way right. there are uh, it's even more so because uh, people who are currently within their tenure Hmm. are sometimes posted to sit on the bench okay so the conflict even gets uh, exacerbated right. a bit more but but no matter what once there is a decision taken in a tribunal hmm. you can appeal it in a high court right absolutely so the appeal hmm. from the tribunal lies to the high court hmm. so there are some exceptions like for example the securities appellate tribunal or hmm. the ngt where the appeal lies to the supreme court directly Okay. Yeah. But so there, there is always an appeal. There is no Absolutely. tribunal where there is no appeal none, beyond none. the tribunal. That does not exist. Only the Supreme Court has that. Uh, so in that sense the judiciary is still those, out on top. Those checks and balances have been put in place. Right. Okay. So now tell me a little more about how these um, the subordinate judiciary the district courts function. So you said that there was an internal hierarchy. Right. But give us a sense of you know who uh, decides what and how things work generally right now the judges in the district courts are appointed by way of an examination right okay i want to make this distinction because to the high court and the supreme court they are generally uh, nominated right. so, and the collegium appoints them Pe- these are either people who have been practicing in that high court right or from the lower judiciary Okay. District and sessions judges get appointed to the high courts, which is not many, but there are there. In the case of the subordinate judiciary, they have to write an exam, hmm. right? So it varies from state to state, um, but generally, the lowest level of judiciary, the munsif level, you need to have at least 
टू टू थ्री इयर्स ऑफ प्रैक्टिस एक्सपीरियंस आफ्टर क्वालिफाइंग टू राइट दर एग्जामिनेशन आफ्टर सिक्स टू सेवन ईयर्स ऑफ एक्सपीरियंस इधर विथ इन द जुडिशरी और एज अ लॉयर प्रैक्टिसिंग इन दैट यू कैन देन अपियर फॉर द नेक्स्ट लेवल ऑफ एग्जामिनेशन सो देर इज वेन द लैटरल एंट्री डिबेट वॉज गोइंग ऑन आई मेड दिस पॉइंट इन माई पीस दैट लैटरल एंट्री ऑलरेडी एग्जिस्ट इन द जुडिशियल्ट by design it right. is there because it, you're always incorporating lawyers who are practicing in those courts hmm. into the justice system and not just incorporating lawyers but also doing so at multiple levels at right? multiple it's levels it's not like you have one upsc Correct. where you take someone and then they have to climb through the system absolutely but but you can directly you can practice law for longer Correct. as a lawyer and then directly get absolutely, it absolutely right okay now in spite of that hmm. the point needs to be made that staff from the judges at the district courts hmm. do not have a career progression clear career progression beyond the subordinate judiciary okay so what would be the highest level a judge can achieve within the say a district court or it's a, a district and court. sessions judge okay he is known as a district and sessions judge he can sometimes become the principal district and sessions judge who is the highest administrative in charge for a district right now the reason why i said there is no career progression in mind is because um the number of people who get appointed from the district judiciary to the high courts is 30 to 40% maximum okay right so mm. the people who the lawyers who practice in the high courts are the ones who get more chance to become high court judges right it this ratio becomes even more skewed at the supreme court where it's almost 80% of the supreme court judges have been lawyers they have not come from okay. the subordinate judiciary okay so it's a case of sort of extreme lateral entry you know we are doing then right <laughs> absolutely that, that you are not uh, preferring people who are in the system already who have dedicated who Their probably career. sacrificed a uh, lot of income Clear. and many Clear. other things right very much and uh, how does it work so once you are say a sessions judge or something can you leave that position and get back to being a lawyer or is it a one way gate no people have done that it is not common but hmm. um, there have been cases of people resigning from judicial service to become uh, get back to lawyers okay so it's not like a lifetime appointment or something it is it is but it's a choice that people make fair enough so uh, very similar to then the upsc and is system True. right people typically yeah. um, right. work till retirement but they Correct. they can be people right. who leave all right the tribunals too members hmm. from the tribunals too are eligible to become high court judges okay yeah a few cases have been there of judicial members on tribunal benches going on to become high court judges so they are eligible for hmm. the to become high court judges now so this on these are the judges right and often i feel like just like there's a lot of emphasis on what's happening in the supreme court there's often a lot of emphasis on who are the judges and how are they selected how are they trained how are they appointed right but what about everyone else who makes a court work Correct. Who, who are the essential cogs absolutely that that's been our focus at daksh 2 to see that you know the example that we give is like a judge is a surgeon right he is a specialized skill right. society he is extremely important to the society so when a surgeon goes into an operating theater right he needs to just make that incision make that stitch make that on the spot assessment before he comes in before he walks in the entire team has to prep him and the patient and the environment for that particular moment right therefore the judge's position is important but the staff or staff are even more important hmm. 
the judges staff are known as registries in the high courts okay. they are known as non judicial staff at the subordinate judiciary okay the subordinate judiciary support staff quality has been a matter of concern for some time uh, the judges uh, themselves have told that you know we are lacking in stenographers we are lacking in people who can serve notices and summons so there is generally quality issue but even more so hmm. the vacancy issue okay so recently daksh and vidhi uh, bangalore conducted a survey and a study of bangalore rural courts right and we found that there is a vacancy of almost 50% at the bangalore rural courts for support staff wow Okay. I mean, fifty percent in some levels, it is almost seventy percent. So it means that even if you have a hundred percent occupancy of all judges and so on, correct, they don't have support staff. They can't do their job. Absolutely right. right. Absolutely. Right. Some of the support staff are shared between three to four judges, and there's enormous pressure that is put on them. Now, what is really the problem is, as the judiciary progresses, there is upskilling required. There is a technology has made some positions redundant so so maybe some positions need not be you know filled up and naturally they have been left vacant for example with the uh, dictaphones coming in and speech to text software coming in maybe stenographers are not so much required right it, you have something known as a position as a judgment writer who can just review the first draft of the judge and then you know make those changes so clearly there are some positions that need not be filled and there is a review required but even then 50 to 60% vacancy is a huge number that needs revision these appointments are made in karnataka by the kpsc karnataka public service commission right so there is an exam that is conducted for all government positions of which judiciary is one right so people pass the exam and then they choose which stream they have to go to Right. So this is everything from sort of a village accountant, a gram panchayat accountant yeah. to the judiciary and more. Correct. So the pool of people who are interested hmm. in this are people who are interested in government service. Right. So at the filtering level itself, at that stage itself, you are choosing people who are interested in these functions of the executive. right right so there is i think a clear case to be made for separating the process of choosing the support staff it's like doing recruitment for army and the police together together right? that's a very Absurd. good example that's a great example pavan now um, because justice system is a separate wing of the democracy it's much more than pushing files or passing memos around right you need to have a mindset to ensure justice is rendered to the citizens so people who so are inspired so there's an even greater service mindset than perhaps in the executive correct. possibly in my view the highest function of the state is to ensure oh, justice absolutely so the people who come to that kind of this that wing needs to be more even more inspired than the other wings of the state mm. but you said that you know the kpsc in karnataka is the way to do this and the karnataka the kpsc has been notorious notorious and <laughs> in not in action for a while now right because clearly that's one of the reasons for vacancy which is what we found mm. it varies so because from it when uh, i mean for people who are not in karnataka kpsc and perhaps many state uh, local uh, recruitment the uh, systems uh, have been extremely compromised right so there been lots of corruption scandals and while whatever criticism we may have of the ias and all the cadre systems in the country the upsc as an institution has not by and large had maintained a lot of integrity correct while you can still critique its processes and so on so in this case so 
is recruitment then at the lowest level just a big problem in a state like Karnataka? Is there an alternative to hire people? Because it's not like you can't have any staff hired for the right. last five years right. or something. Right? No, the, it's, I wouldn't say the KPSC problem is one of the problems hmm. uh, because in other states where the high court committees themselves do the selection process, it's not that the staff are significantly better okay. or the vacancy is any much any better. Right. right. So the way the judiciary is equipped to handle its staffing function hmm. is something that needs a complete overhaul in this time. Uh, vacancy, quality, skills, hmm. all of these are things that the interview process, it's very heavily dependent on interview process and a lot of petitions have been filed alleging, um, you know, biases in the interview process. Right. When TCS can conduct an exam for so many people and it is seen to be so, you know, objective. Can't those best practices be incorporated in a public institution as critical as the judiciary? Clearly, the judiciary needs to open up to best practices from the private sector for Hmm. its staffing function. And a lot of this is managerial, right? I mean, you need to manage the flow of cases. You need to manage to ensure that certain targets are met, to ensure that cases get disposed in a timely manner, nothing stays pending for too long. Right. Very administrative, very managerial, that does not have to compromise its independence. A right. lot of the pushback on appointments, on staffing is saying, oh, you're stepping into independence, right? Just leave us alone. Give me space, right? right. <laughs> Give me space. And that I don't think works anymore. We, The judiciary clearly needs to step up and say, we are going to change the way we hire staff at every level. Surya, in all this, so we are talking about you know, functionally functions, but there's also funding, right? So I know that as a part of the budget, there is a there's a separate sort of budget when the government passes anything related to the judiciary, right? Because technically, the legislature cannot have control over the funds that go to the judiciary. So it's sort of there's a nominal thing, right? I mean, it's just it's not necessarily voted on, but it's passed. In the budget, yeah, it's a charge on the consolidated uh, fund. On the consolidated fund. So in this case, so when we're talking about um, hiring more people or changing how a court system is administered, the funding still has to come from the state government, right? How does that work? I know that the salaries of judges and so on is not something that can be interfered with directly by a state government, but what? can the state government do and what can't the state government right. do? So there are two parts to it. The funding for the judiciary, it is important to remember that the the charge and the vote difference that you pointed out is only for the salaries hmm. of high court judges and the Supreme Court judges. Okay. So only that is charged. Only that is the only charge portion. Okay. The other infrastructure and operational expenses are still voted upon. Right. Although in practice from whatever we have discussed with the high court staff and the ministry staff there is very little pushback on what the judiciary asks okay so the judiciary asks for 100 many times most states just give 100 the problem comes in how does the judiciary arrive at 100 huh. how did they plan that they need 100 and not 150 or 125 right so that the capacity of the judiciary to estimate how how much they need for what line items they need is mm. an important uh, aspect of the functioning of the judiciary. Um, many people we have spoken to uh, have said that usually they do last year plus 10 to 15%. Right. 
so and while that can be done even in a lot of government departments usually it's last year plus 10% or something yeah. like that but there are bureaucratic incentives for you to increase the budget of your department right, right? for better or worse and so therefore there is always this drive to say i will build more i will do more i'll expand by mandate in a lot of government departments that natural sort of incentive is far weaker in the, in the judiciary right because right. you're a judge but you also have an admin role right. but your primary role is to be a judge and right. perhaps manage even a group of judges uh, under you so when we're talking about capacity also how do we start thinking about that that's a very important point because um, you can say i will build more roads or mm. i can build more bridges but how long will you keep saying i will build more courts right so you could say i will build better court halls i will mm. have better uh, infrastructure the establishment infrastructure but to say i will hire more people mm. means what what is the outcome that you are planning for to say that to justify your increase in budget and that may be the reason why people have just gone for a baseline plus 10% 15% right and and when you want to build a new building that's easy that's to pass capex. through separately that has been a problem separate huh. discussion right now the envisioning a judiciary which has some targets in mind is also problematic because you want justice to play out its natural course both parties given adequate chances under the present precedents and the judicial uh, you know framework so targets for disposal are also problematic right so the how, what should therefore be a vision for the judiciary say over 2 years or 5 years i think that's something that we have not given much thought to as uh, as a country as a society uh, and that's something that sh- um, will be you will hear more from me on that topic all right <laughs> On that note Surya thank you so much for coming in to talk today about India's district courts on this episode we'll take a quick break and I'll be right back Hi listeners we at Aditya Birla Sunlight Mutual Fund have come up with a special podcast series called MF 101 in collaboration with Bloomberg Quint MF 101 is an informative series that will help you understand the recipe behind mutual fund investments and what's more it's coming from the chefs of the mutual fund buffet table from the very own fund managers and analysts who are the manufacturers of the funds that help you realize your investment goals new episodes out every monday you can listen to the show on the ivm podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts welcome back dear listeners usually now the pragati podcast episodes last roughly about an hour or a little more today we are trying out a shorter episode where surya came and set the stage and spoke to us about how india's subordinate judiciary works and what we would have done in a usual episode is that we would have gone on for a second half where we would have explored the bangalore study by surya and his colleagues in detail discussed reform options and a lot more but today we are trying something a little different instead of a full second half which doubles the length of the episode i'm giving you a quick teaser of what to expect from the study and i'm really looking forward for your feedback on what you think of the length and the format of our episodes and what would make for a better listening experience as a teaser for the study of the bangalore rural courts by dakshin vidhi karnataka that surya mentioned in the first half I want to say that they explore the litigation landscape of peri-urban areas surrounding the city of Bangalore. A few things that stand out here 
is that there is a messy jurisdictional issue when you have separate metropolitan courts for the city of Bangalore and a separate district court for the surrounding rural areas. The particularly messy when a city like Bangalore is rapidly expanding where what was once rural is today fundamentally urban. And in that sense, the cases that are captured in this study is perhaps reflective of the cases that we will find in peri-urban areas around any major metro in the country from Delhi to Mumbai to Chennai to other places. So in that sense, while this is one study located in Bangalore, it might be reflective of a lot more. Having said all this about the messy jurisdictional issues, apparently for all practicing lawyers, it is common knowledge as to where to go for what case and when and how to find the appropriate court. The same knowledge might actually be more confusing on the administrative side, but the lawyers seem to know where to go to do what they need to. In this study, with so many cases stuck in court, they found that land acquisition cases have been stuck for the longest in district courts, with the average time for a land acquisition case being six and a half years before getting disposed. Apparently, some of this is because of a pending clarification by the Supreme Court on a related matter, which has kept many cases in limbo. Further, they found that an inordinate number of criminal and other cases are stuck at the summon stage, where cases cannot even proceed if they cannot get the accused to come to court. This is an area where backbone tech infrastructure could play a vital role in reducing the amount of friction that is there in order to get summons to go out and get people to come to the court. There have been explorations on how to do this on email, on WhatsApp and various electronic means, which need to slowly start getting adopted and implemented. And finally... The study finds that the courts have a whopping 57% vacancies in administrative positions. Now, some of this administrative staff that a court needs may no longer be necessary with the induction of new technology, which simplifies a lot of matters. But nevertheless, you need a lot of support staff for a judge to do his or her job really well. As Surya was saying at another point, think of the judge like a surgeon. Now, the surgeon will come and do the most important part of the surgery, but for the surgeon to do his or her job, you need anesthetologists, you need nursing staff, you need support staff, you need a clean environment, you need a lot more infrastructure in the hospital such that a surgeon's time and skills can be utilized well and efficiently. And the same applies to the judiciary as well. You need good, capable, trained administrative staff, you know, staffed to the right levels for our courts to function well. And it's also important that whoever is staffed here is given good training and orientation. While we think about the government, honestly, rule of law and justice is the highest function of the state, even more about development and other concerns that we often end up caring more about. And what this means is that the people who work in the judiciary in India at all levels need to have high qualifications, a strong public service mentality, and also a high ethos of what they're doing and why. So for more on this fascinating study, do read this uh, report and accompanying articles in its entirety. I've included the link in the description. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for staying with us till the end. If you have any questions or comments, do write in to podcast at thinkpragati.com. 
and hey if you like the podcast and listen to us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts please leave us a rating and a review it will mean a lot to us the pragati podcast is available on the IVM podcast app and pretty much every other podcast app and platform we are there everywhere did you know that parsees in mumbai instead of being left at the tower of silence after they die are now cremated and why because a cow fell sick in the early 1990s did you know that the smog in delhi is caused by something that farmers in punjab do and that there's no way to stop them did you know that there wasn't one gas tragedy in bhopal but three one of them was seen but two were unseen did you know that many well-intentioned government policies hurt the people they're supposed to help Why was demonetization a bad idea? How should GST have been implemented? Why are all our politicians so corrupt when not all of them are bad people? I'm Amit Verma and in my weekly podcast The Seen and the Unseen, I take a shot at answering all these questions and many more. I aim to go beyond the scene and show you the unseen effects of public policy and private action. I speak to experts on economics, political philosophy, cognitive neuroscience and constitutional law so that the insights can blow not only my mind but also yours. The Seen and the Unseen releases every Monday. So do check out the archives and follow the show at seenunseen.in. You can also subscribe to The Seen and the Unseen on whatever podcast app you happen to prefer. नमस्ते मैं हूं सौरभ चंद्रा और मैं प्रणय कोटिस्थाने जब महफिल खत्म होते होते दरवाजे के बाहर पुलिया के ऊपर हम दुनिया भर की जटिल समस्याओं को सॉल्व करने में लग जाते हैं तो हो जाती है पुलियाबाजी अब आजकल के अपार्टमेंट वालों ने तो कभी पुलिया देखी नहीं होगी पर आप फीलिंग तो समझ ही सकते हैं तो आइए शामिल हो जाइए हमारी पुलियाबाजी में जहाँ प्रणय और मैं एक से एक इंटरेस्टिंग टॉपिक्स की तह तक जाएंगे आर्टिफिशियल इंटेलिजेंस बिटकॉइन पाकिस्तान मेडिकल एजुकेशन करेंसी क्राइसिस कभी हम दोनों के साथ और अक्सर स्पेशल एक्सपर्ट गेस्ट की कंपनी में सुनिए हमें आईवीएम की वेबसाइट ऐप या अपने फेवरेट पॉडकास्टिंग प्लेटफॉर्म आरोप हर दूसरे हफ्ते